chapters, so 56, 57, 58, 59, Connor's going to come back and do those. And then after that, we'll be in 60, so that'll put us from 66 to 66 at the end. So we'll have those six chapters left, and we'll be done with the book of Isaiah. And I don't know how long it's taken, a year and a half, maybe. I don't know. It's been a long journey. I mean, I mean, think about it. 66 chapters, one chapter a week. You're, I mean, you're going for what, a year and a half or a year and a quarter, something like that. So. Think how hard it was to write it. Alright. Chapter 54, and I would like to begin at 53, verse 12. Uh, well, this, talking about the servant now who's died, and it appears that he's resurrected as I, as I see it. In verse 53, 12, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Okay, we'll stop there. Uh, between chapter 52 around verse 8 going on through 59, 20, interestingly enough, the term Zion does not appear in that section although more so before that we do see Zion showing up perhaps this might suggest that the prophet does not want to limit this rejoicing to Jews only but the rejoicing is opening up to the whole world um, 54 1 um, you the children of the desolate won't be more than the children of her who is married. Uh, clearly, human reproduction is a blessing. Uh, children are a blessing from the Lord, says the Bible. But also, spiritual reproduction is a blessing. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, I know we know what we're talking about. I, the women here, a lot, some have raised children. I mean, you've discipled them in the faith. I mean, fantastic. Uh, some of us have had an opportunity to, to not only share Christ with other people, but to be more involved in Scripture with other people or counseling or all of that in terms of discipleship. So this is all spiritual reproduction, which is also a blessing. And uh, let's see. So, 
as human reproduction is a blessing, so spiritual reproduction is also a blessing. In verse 1, the desolate one sings for joy. So Israel will be reestablished after the exile. Isaiah's prophesying toward the exile. And then the regathering of Israel after the exile in the land. So uh, Israel will be reestablished so that we continue to have this giant metaphor of exile and salvation. And I don't know, we... We could think about that individually. If, uh, you know, you go into the valley and you come back out of it again. <laughs> you go into the desert and you come back out. And uh, we're exiled and then we rejoice. And on and on it goes. I mean, this is, this is human life uh, among Israel and also personally among us, I think. Uh, let's, if someone would help me, uh, let's see. In Romans 9, verses 6 through 9, we'll take a look at that. And if someone would look at Isaiah, if you could flip back to chapter 6, the famous ones, verses 1 through 7, we'll look at that in just a second. So this is uh, Romans 9, 6 through 9, which the apostle is uh, showing us that salvation is not just for Israel. It's not just for the Jews. And Romans 9. Go ahead, Jim. Not as though the word of God hath taken not effect, for they are not all of Israel which are of Israel, neither because they are the seed of Abraham or they are children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. The children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise, as this time will I come, and Sabah shall I sign. Yeah. So, we're not talking about natural reproduction here as belonging to the, na to the nation of Israel, as say, to the, what would be a good term for that, the, uh, the Israel of God. That would be a good term for that. So, natural reproduction is not an entrance into the Israel of God. I mean, you've got to be born again. You've got to be regenerated. Absolutely. So. There it is in Romans 9. I know everybody's on board with that. So verse 2, uh, Israel then will survive and prosper. So we're having a giant teaching here on Israel coming back after exile and also, I think, spiritual prosperity of the Israel of God. I think you can go either way here. That's verse 2. Verse 3 and 4. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. So, <clears throat> youth and widowhood, uh, maybe, perhaps these are not the prime times for childbearing. Some commentators see youth here as slavery in Egypt when Israel was in, in, down in Egypt for 400 years and widowhood as the upcoming back, uh, Babylonian captivity. But God will return His people from these tragedies and cause them to multiply again. So I, I think that applies to us. I mean... No matter how you see yourself as being uh, forlorn or 
joyful or wherever you are. I mean, uh, it's it's not the end of the story. I mean, uh, as the saying goes, it's not over till the fat lady sings. You know, I mean, it's not over. And, uh, so we don't know what God's purposes are with us. We assume that they're beneficent and beneficial. All right, I'm just uh, rattling away here. Does anybody have anything here? Does this make sense? Well, this fits in with the promise of Christ to his followers. We give up fathers and mothers and sons and daughters and lands, but you will receive a hundredfold. You know, mothers and, and daughters and, and sons and lands, you know. And it, it, here, here it says, uh, your descendants will inherit the nations. Uh, the church is in every nation. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. Yeah. Very good. Very good. All right, let's go on. Uh, verse 5. Verses 5 through 10 give us reasons for rejoicing in Israel and by extension to us also. Verse 5. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth. He is called. So we have a lot of names of God here in verse 5 that are meant to encourage us. Let's look at some of these names. The first one is maker. God is your maker. So this speaks to us of creation. Uh, and also uh, our own lives that God has uh, created. And here we are. <laughs> and no doubt he is creating more. The second one is Lord of Hosts. Uh, well, wait. Uh, for your maker, sorry, your maker, your creator is your husband. So that's another name for God. He's our husband. And it brought to mind, uh, in my mind, the story of Hosea, the prophet Hosea, who had this horrible marriage that God forced him into. Uh, and said, you've got to go marry this prostitute, I'm sure. Hosea might have been like Jeremiah. No, 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 no. Anything but that. No, you've got to do that. So he does it. And, uh, you know, we've got all this, this situation. And uh, Hosea was a good husband to this woman. And a good husband to these children. So, <clears throat> our maker is our husband. No matter how we might be going astray, he is still our husband. And he is a good husband. And we may consider the chastening of the Lord as being not fair, but it's for our good. It's for our good. Just as your son or daughter might consider your chastening as to be excessive and not fair, it is for their good. And sometimes children begin to recognize that after a while. <laughs> he breaks us and he might make us well again. Well. Well, he might be speaking here too of the purpose of creation. Yeah. And why God created man in the first place to have a body of Christ. Indeed. Uh, next name, the Lord of hosts, is. Our God's name, if somebody would read Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 7, classic passage. Go ahead, Greg. Um, 1 through 7? Mm -hmm. In the year that King Uzziah died, 
I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And, and above it stood a seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of, voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Good. Well, I don't know how many of these beings that Isaiah saw in this vision. I mean, he was in the temple, he said, so I guess he didn't see an infinite number of beings. But this host here, the Lord of hosts, a host is a giant number. So uh, I don't know if it's exactly these seraphim. I mean, their cherubim is another word that's used. I, I mean, I, I'm not an expert on angels, I think. Who was the expert on angels that wrote? Was it St. Thomas Aquinas that wrote all that? Billy Graham. Yeah, but I'm... I know, but I'm not talking about Billy Graham. I'm talking about scholars. <laughs> I think it might have been St. Thomas. Anyway, I'm not an expert on angels, but there are a host of these beings. In other words, if you could see them, well, like Ezekiel, his eyes of his servant are open, there's a, it's an, infin, an infinitude almost of these beings. And Hebrews say it's an innumerable host. Say again? An uncountable host. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's a huge number, right. So our God then is the Lord of all these innumerable beings. Angelic beings. He's he's their Lord, Lord of Hosts. That's what it says. So that's what it means. Uh, okay. Uh, ver the next line. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. So God is our Redeemer, and that brought to my mind the story of Boaz and Ruth, where Boaz becomes the kinsman Redeemer uh, for Ruth and. Uh, he takes care of her whole situation, and the situation of her mother-in-law also. And uh, he does his duty under Israelite law in raising descendants for her dead husband. And the, uh, the way they worked it out. So he redeems her, and and Ruth's situation is taken from a situation of poverty and desperation to one of wealth and blessing and position. I mean, so. You write about the liberate marriage. The, yes. These children were two uh, his original husbands. Yes. But Boaz is always named in the genealogy. Yes, I, I thought about that. He's yeah. The real yeah. Yeah. That's true. All right. And lastly, uh, our Lord is God of the whole earth. So every tongue and tribe and nation has a god and a ruler even if they might not know him but he rules and indeed uh, the gospel is going to go into all of these nations and all these language groups is what the scripture says and the gospel no doubt is already I mean 
widespread, I mean, uh, around the world, if, if we want to think about it that way. And I will ask a question back you because you in praise before he is your redeemer. Mm -hmm. It's called the God of all the earth. Mm -hmm. so that, that sounds incarnational mm -hmm. in a sense. Mm -hmm. your Jesus becomes man mm -hmm. in order to do what? So I came to save, not to Right, not to condemn. That's a good point, you know, and I'll make an aside here. This is in John 3 if you want to check it out. But, you know, some revivalist preachers preach that the only right reason you would go to hell is for rejecting Christ. That is not true. In John chapter 3, Jesus says, those that, I don't remember how it puts it, but those who... I haven't come to condemn. I have not come to. I, that's it. I have. I have. I have not come to condemn, because the world was condemned already because they did not believe in the name of the only Son of God. So Jesus' ministry is not a ministry of condemnation whatsoever. People who are outside of Christ are already condemned. When you preach the gospel, it's salvation only. There's no additional condemnation. For a person who doesn't believe in Christ, there's no additional condemnation for that person. They're already condemned. Double hell for them. Double secret hell. What? I love what Well, that's the difference. That's, that's the difference. Absolutely. Well, anyway, that's an aside. But it does say that they're condemned because they love the darkness room and they don't like the light. Well, we might talk about well, we might talk about human will, but my point is they're condemned already. Yes, exactly. It doesn't matter about human will. They're condemned. But there's hope for them. They Maybe. Turn away from the darkness and turn to the light. Oh, that's what the evangelist does. Shows them the light. Okay. God could turn tares into wheat. He could. Verse 6. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. So, the times of hardship are brief as we contemplate the unchanging love of God. And we'll see that in the next verse, verse 7, um, or verse 8 it is. For the brief moment I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you. And overflowing anger for a moment I hid my face from you. But with everlasting love I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. This uh, everlasting love here is, uh, and I think Pastor Nick has mentioned this, is the famous Hebrew word kesed, uh, which has various kind of English translations. Uh, it could be passionate loyalty, Faithfulness, passionate love, chesed, everlasting love. The uh, phrase here for everlasting love is chesed for sure, and the other word is olam, which means eternity in Hebrew. So God's passionate love, let's say for you, yeah. has existed back into eternity past, in which, I mean, since God is omniscient, He already has you in mind. And his passionate love extends from eternity past out into eternity future and so on and so forth. So it's, it's this eternal love. But with everlasting love I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. And we've talked about Redeemer also. So here, we're continuing with that. 
Verse 9, this is like the days of Noah to me, as Jesus predicted also. As I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you, and I will not rebuke you. So, the days of Noah... Uh, well, let's go ahead and read Matthew there, and we'll think about that. I've thought about the days of Noah before a lot, really, and probably you have too. This is Matthew uh, chapter 24, verses 36 through 51, if someone would read that for us. The Matthew 24, 36 through 51. Craig, you've got to go ahead. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and to drink, eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour when he, that he is not aware of, and will cut him in two, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. Well, I've thought about these days of Noah, and probably you have too. Uh, I mean, I guess there's a lot going on here. The hopeful thing here in verse 9 in Isaiah is that the Lord's not going to destroy the world like he did once before with, with floods, so that's good. Uh, but in the days of Noah, well, as Jesus says in Matthew there, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, giving in marriage. I don't know. It, it seems to me... Uh, several things. One is what I would call kind of a hyper-normal situation. Uh, although the world is going to hell in a handbasket, as we might say, yet human marriage continues on in a big way. I mean, life goes on in a big way. Marriage you know. is expanding. Say again? Marriage is expanding. Well... You can marry anything you want. I would rather not go there. Everything is marrying now. Well, it's kind of, yes, yeah, so there's so much marriage taking place. But on the other hand, you know, we got all these divorcing and family problems that are taking place too. Yes, violence fills the land. Well, go ahead. One thing I think you can, I think you're saying this, but one thing about the days of Noah yeah. is that it wasn't a time of utter chaos. They were eating and drinking, which means they weren't going hungry. 
Agriculture yes. was good. Yes. They were marrying and giving a marriage, so society Normal was doing life. well. Life was good. It's pretty prosperous. So it's very good. You know, if there's something wrong with the days of Noah, it's not that it's chaos. It's right. if anything, it may be too much order. But. <laughs> Well, or too much prosperity, yeah, maybe. Yeah. 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 Well, I th all of those things. And then we have other predictions of the end, you know, violence fills the land. and You know, I mean, it's, it's hard to get all that together, but uh, anyway, we can think yeah. about those days of Noah more and what that means. Well, they say that God said they had a wicked imagination. Well, that. So that's so that's even part of life is going on good. What's up happening inside of your head? It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, there you go. Yeah, we could think about that. Okay, uh, where are we? Verse 9, verse 10. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. So God's love is never removed from us. Uh, God's love is expressed through His covenant of peace. <coughs> or through the blood of the eternal covenant, as Hebrews says, and God continues to express that love to us as we recount Christ's death for us and His resurrection, and as we continue to believe by God's grace. All right, so God doesn't remove that covenant of peace from us. This has to be, to me, the prophetic about Jesus. I'm no doubt about it, because He's the one, and He's the one frees us from sin. He's the one that has established everlasting covenant with us. You know, so he's the one that will not stop loving you. you know, so. right. I, I just said all that. <laughs> yes. This is true. <clears throat> Verse 11. O afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, behold, I will set your stones in antimony and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of agate and your gates of carbuncles and all your walls of precious stones. Does this sound like anything to you? Heaven. Huh? Heaven. Yeah, as revealed in where? In what book? Revelation. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. Well, we might just read it. Revelation 21, verses 9 through 12. It sounds similar. <clears throat> That's a good verse. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Someone who has that. That's Revelation 21, verses 9 through 12. Then one of the seven angels, who have the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a precious stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. And it had a great and high wall. It had twelve gates, mm -hmm. and at those gates twelve angels. And names have been written on those gates, which are the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. Okay. Eighteen has the, all over. Stop, go ahead and read those. And the material of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold, like pure glass. The foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. Mm. The first foundation stone was jasper, mm. the second, sapphire, the mm -hmm. third, 
Chalcedony, mm. the fourth, Emerald, mm. the fifth, Sardonyx, mm. the sixth, Sardius, the seventh, Chrysolite, the eighth, Beryl, the ninth, Topaz, the tenth, Chrysoprase, <laughs> the eleventh, Jacinth, the twelfth, Amethyst. Wow. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Very good. So Isaiah sort of gets the ball rolling here in the description of heaven, and it's completed by the Apostle John, who goes through into a lot more detail about this and so forth. But it's similar, these, these two passages. Um, so, in contrast to life's chaotic problems, the Lord sets before us the heavenly city, which is our eventual home. All right, does anybody have anything here? I'm just... All right, let's go on to verse 4. Yes. Those, those, just, just a quick, yeah. quick aside. Those stones are the same stones that are on the high priest's yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the, the gate, the gate of the heavenly Jerusalem is the same thing as yes. the high priestly garments. Beautiful. So Beautiful. Christ, Christ's garments are literally what's covering the city. Yeah. And he becomes the gate into the heavenly city. Right. Yeah, absolutely. He is the yeah, I love yeah. it. He's the guardian. Only through that high priest can you enter. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. All right, verse thirteen. This is Katie likes this too. And all your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. So Isaiah holds heaven out before us, and uh, what? All of our children shall be taught by the Lord. I'm glad. Um, I don't know, know how I can add anything to it. Uh, what is that verse about? Um, no one will, no one will be teaching each other anymore yeah. because everyone will know the Lord. Well, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, yeah, you won't teach each other know the Lord, know the Lord because everyone will know the Lord. Yeah, I, I don't remember where it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're saying, but I can't call it up the address of it. Yeah, Jim, where is that verse? Where is that verse? <laughs> well, uh, wait, I have a reference here. Let's look at John chapter 6, verse 45. Maybe, maybe that's it, Greg. John six forty five. Yeah, it is written by in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Well, no, that's probably not it. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. And the reference there is Isaiah fifty four thirteen. So here, yeah. we're going in circles. Is that six forty five? The one? You yes. Read? How does it read it again, please? It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Yeah. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Yeah, that's not the exact verse you're, you're no, quoting. No. I, I know what you're saying. I can't yeah. remember where it is. Anyway, uh, so I'm glad that uh, God takes an interest in our children. Uh -huh. Okay, good. Uh, verse 14. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Uh, well, as the righteousness of Christ works through us, 
uh, we tend to be established. I mean, what, whatever that means. Not necessarily talking, I think, about economic well-being or necessarily health well-being, but spiritually and in our soul life, we're being established. In other words, our minds are not crazy. Uh, like, can happen to people. I mean, you know, worry about everything in the world. Adam's word this morning was that we're secure. We're okay. Don't yeah, yeah. No matter what, I mean, we're, we're, we're fine. Yeah. Uh, what's going to happen? You know, Praise God. Reset, place of peace. Established, yeah. Beautiful. We're really in a Yes. Okay, very good. Um, verse 14. And well, did we read that? Yes. Uh, verse 15. If anyone stirs up strife, it is not from me. Whoever stirs up strife with you shall fall because of you. Um, well... trouble now, and we all go through it in various ways, is not necessarily God's judgment. Uh, we might consider a classic case with the prophet Job. <laughs> you know, Job was going through some massive problems, right? And some massive chaos. But, you know, Job didn't know the story that was going on in the heavenlies. He didn't he didn't know that. This was a giant, I don't know what you want to say, a giant event <laughs> between God and the devil. And that was what was going on. And Job didn't know it. I mean, I would think as far as Job did, you say, man, why, Lord? I mean, look, I mean, I'm being smashed here. I mean, what's going on? And he didn't know. So, and sometimes we don't know, but I, I guess this is a reminder here. But his uh, counselors assumed that he had offended God. Yes. And the church should not do that. We should not assume that. That is what Satan uh, assumed would happen. That's his job. It's not the job of the church to accuse. Very good. God. Actually, in the story of Job, it's very clear that it did come from God. Job was right to say that it came from God and his friends were trying to tell him not to say that. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. God offered up Job. So what if he's offering us up? Yeah. So that calamity actually did. Well, I've never claimed to be as good as Job. So <laughs> I'll stay on the sideline yeah. if you don't Well, mind. I think we can expect it to happen. Maybe so. We should 
know if we're not getting attacked by the enemy. Maybe something is wrong with us. <laughs> well, I, think, I think the point is with Joe, it was not it was not due to sin. No. Right. That's no, right. no, not at all. Wow. Well, what a book. Joe's probably doing Bible studies in heaven right now. <laughs> 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 with all kind of problems. We go, Let me show you a few things here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, verse 16. Behold, I have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and produces a weapon for its purpose. I have also created the ravager to destroy. Well, no, we almost might say, but no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. You shall confute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. So this is almost the answer here to the Job uh, problem also. That, uh, no, I mean, you're going to confute all these or refute all these naysayers who are saying, "Wow, look at look at you!" I mean, I mean, obviously God is uh, not anywhere near you anymore. And, yeah, I mean, okay. so just like Job, we could have that. But uh, however, since we belong to Christ, that's not going to be the end of the story. And I do have Job chapter twenty-three, verse ten listed here. Maybe that. That will say something about it. Job 23.10 But he knows the way that I take when he has tested me and I shall come forth as gold. <laughs> well, okay, well that's from Job then. So, uh, yeah, well he knows my situation and guess what? I'm going to come forth like gold. So, good. It said that the city was made of gold, yeah. Say again? It mm-hmm. said that the city was made of gold, yeah? yeah. That we read earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Didn't it say that the city was made yeah. of gold? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. The walls of the, uh, the gate? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, well, wait. Yeah. I don't see gold here in, this, in Isaiah. In Maybe. 21 18, Revelation 21 18. The in Revelation, it is. Pure gold. Yeah. yeah. There it is. So Satan's bet was do something bad to Job, take away all his blessing, and he'll curse you. He'll curse you to your face. But Job responds with a statement of utter faith and confidence in God. He even informed his wife on some good theology. This humiliates Satan in the heavenlies. Say again? This humiliates Satan in the heavenlies. And this is our mission. Very good. God showing his manifold wisdom through the church. Through the church. Through the powers and principalities. The principalities, and principalities and the powers. Beautiful. Well, this is great. And God, God uh, addressed Job and said, have you noticed my servant Job? It wasn't, it wasn't the devil, coming yeah. to God. It was God saying that. I yeah. thought that was interesting. Yeah. Well, and we know he's, the devil's going to and fro on the earth. Mm-hmm. Back and forth. That's where, he, that's where his work is taking place. So, you know, and all this, <laughs> you know, and all this bad stuff that happened to Job. I mean, Job was God's outstanding man on earth at that time. Wow. And, and Christ tells Peter, 
Satan wants to sift you like wheat. We're, we're all Peter. But I have to pray that your faith failed not. Yes. Well, this is it's the refining fire. Yeah. And all, every Christian has to be has to go through the refining fire mm -hmm. of God, where He's separating the dross from the real, the real yeah. You have to do that. I mean, the dross comes to the top, yeah. and uh, yeah. you got to scrape it off. Well, that's what Job said. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. There's a verse in Proverbs sort of like that too. I, I can't quote it exactly, but but so I mean, we're all we're all being attacked and sifted, but we're also all we all have an advocate mm -hmm. at the right hand of the Father, which is good. Praying for us <laughs> that our faith not fail. Did you know, isn't it? Well, we praise the Lord for all these things. Uh, that's all I have for today, so thank you for your attention.